This time, Brother Sam Pope is going to bring our special this morning. This is a song I've always liked, and it reminds me that sometimes we just need to uh, be still and listen to the voice of God. And a garden's a good place to go do it. Bibles, Nehemiah chapter 8, as we continue looking at strengthening our hands for the work. As before we begin 
with the message this morning. I was talking with uh, Wednesday night. We had a guest speaker. We had Brother Clayton Howell, who sent out as a missionary to Kenya, Africa, he uh, from Pauline. He was here with us Wednesday night, sharing his work. We had a, a good, a decent crowd. We had a crowd stay. We had to meet in Sister Frances's room because of all the painting going on, and but had a great meeting. Brother Clayton did an excellent job of uh, sharing his work and also bringing a message. Well, he was talking about, you know, a lot of times they'll have Bible study up under a shade tree, and they'll be meeting under that shade tree. Of course, they have big old shade trees out there, uh, the ones they meet under anyway, and they're kind of like our live oaks. They spread out real far and give a good shade. Well, at least we've got better than that. Matter of fact, I noticed on this partly cloudy day, the sun broke out just a second there a while ago, and it'll brighten up and lighten up every now and then here, so don't get too distracted. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word together in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 6, wanting worship enough to weep, and uh, wanting worship enough to weep, look along in God's holy word, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to worship together, and of course, not in our regular meeting place, but thank you, dear Lord, for uh, just the coolness of the room, the sunshine over our heads and the roof, and Father, a chair to sit in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I've been in places before where I didn't have a chair to sit in, and many of you have too. Uh, many of you have been in, in emergency situations. Maybe you go to a, 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 a emergency room or a hospital. And I've seen waiting rooms and hospitals so crowded that uh, people didn't have a place to sit down. I've also been to, many of you have too, how many times have we been up here to Jones Hartshorn Funeral Home and it be so crowded and you really don't get much of a chance to see somebody or as much time as you would like. And you know, there's times where we are uh, a little bit out of our comfort zone. But I tell you what, I, we no matter where we meet, no matter where we are, worship is something that you can do if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you know Him as your Savior... You can worship Him. You can worship Him while driving. Now, it's not corporate worship. It's singular worship. Corporate worship is when you all come together. You, you could call it several things. You call it, well, the church worship. The church worship service. But you can worship the Lord. The word worship literally means, and none of this is it. Daniel's don't be hunting it. It's not in the slide. This is all extra in the introduction. But, you know, just uh, all of this as we worship, the word worship means to fall down before. It means to fall prostrate to worship, to give Him honor and glory. But so many of us, we come through to church, and I think 
you know, even though it wasn't planned weeks ago, it just happened to the way it landed and painting and fumes and dealing with all these uh, issues that we worship here. And sure, we, we've met here before. Remember a Father's Day a few years ago and, um, Miss Denise helped me put some posters on the walls and we had Father's Day message in here and, and, uh, but no matter where it is, it, folks, worship is not about a location as much as it is an attitude of our heart. Do I want to worship? Folks, if you don't want to worship, I guarantee you, you know what? You won't. <laughs> you won't worship. You have to want it. You have to want worship. And that's what happened with these people. As we read along and we look at this subject this morning, we find out that it had been a long time since these people had had worship. It had been a long time since they had done what they're about to do. Where have they been? been in slavery. They've been in slavery in another land. They weren't even in their own homeland. And so, folks, I want us to worship. The very first thing I want to deal with is what I call the want of the people, which is what we're dealing with. And that uh, has been a long time. How long has it been since you desired the Lord? How long has it been since you uh, wanted to Say, I, Lord, I want to go to church and I want to worship. I want to sing. And uh, how many of you would uh, uh, say, how many of you would do this? How, you know, how, I, I, how many of you would say this? I don't care what you sound like. I don't care what you sound like. How many of you say this? I enjoy singing. Lift your hand. How many of you, it don't matter what you sound like, you enjoy singing? That's right. And it, folks, it's so, you say, well, I can't carry much of a tune, or I can't do this. And, you know, but a lot of times we say, well, I wish I could sing as good as they can. It's the desire of the people that, to, that, to want to worship. I want to sing. I want to sing. I want to worship these people here. Ezra's about to, uh, stand up and read before I, Read what he read and uh, just uh, jump over to Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. Ezra was definitely the right guy for the job. In Ezra 7.10 it says, For Ezra had, that's just back up over a few pages, you can look on the screen, either one. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Back to our text, let's look at the, the want of the people. In verse 1 it says, All the people, Nehemiah chapter 8, gathered themselves together as one man into the street. That was before the water gate. Remember the water gate represents the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and also you could throw in there the washing of the water of the Word. But anyway, they spake, and they spake unto Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses. Hey, not only do we want to get the preacher, but we want him to bring, as I often use the analogy, I don't want the preacher preaching out of a J.C. Penney catalog. I don't want him preaching out of a Bass Pro Shop magazine. I want him preaching out of the Word of God. Matter of fact, I've got it highlighted. If you're a person that may mark in your book, there's uh, some things that you can mark that they did. Uh, may not have it, I don't think, in any outline, whatever. But I've got it marked in mine. In verse 1 it says, 
to bring the book. And if you skip on down to verse 5, it says, Ezra opened the book. I like that. And then verse 8, you know what it says? They read in the book. They read in the book. And so, that's three, and you know, folks, you can have a Bible laying on every uh, a nook and cranny of your home. Many of you do. You've got more than one copy of the Bible. But it's not doing us any good if we don't read it, if we don't take it, if we don't open it. Folks, to read the Word of God. Got up this morning and I was uh, reading uh, my daily Bible reading. I've been uh, keeping up, I think, uh, uh, Ali Joe and Karen and I have been doing the same one. And uh, we got that uh, Bible app and it plans it out and you read so many chapters so you read through the Bible in a year. You can adjust it. They have it where you can read through the Bible in 60 days if you want to. That's a lot of chapters though. It's like 21 a day and uh, or somewhere thereabouts. But you know, that's a lot of, but have a plan of reading the Bible. And so he was definitely the right guy. Bring the book. That's what it says in verse 1. In verse 2 it says, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women and all that could hear with understanding. Now, I want you to also, there's another thing that I have marked, and and it occurs six times in our story. The word understand or understanding occurs six times. In verse 2 and 3 it occurs. And then in verse 7 and 8, it occurs. And then also in verse 12 and 13. Why do you think God inspired Nehemiah? Did you know basically that Nehemiah, this is a diary here? This diary is a story. And it's what it is, of course, who inspired Nehemiah to jot these words down. God did. And what do, and of all the things that I want you to have this morning, When you leave today, when you leave this morning, you say, well, I understood what Brother Michael was preaching about. And basically, to sum it up, you know, if if I do my job well, if I communicate the Word of God well to you, you should be able to sum up the sermon. Now, the sermon can't be said in one sentence, but you ought to be able to sum it up in a sentence. That is, we should want worship. We should want worship this morning. We should want it. It says, what's the title of the message? We should want it enough to weep. We should want it enough to make a sacrifice. You got up, you got dressed, you took a shower, you put on deodorant, you did whatever you do to get ready and to come to church. And you did, a lot of you did your hair. Some of you didn't have to. <laughs> but a lot of you did your hair. You got all ready. You sacrificed your time. You say, I can be at promised land for Two hours this morning. If you just came for preaching, you'd be here for one hour. That's not asking a lot, is it? Boy, I like the sound of that. I got a little... There you go. I got some thunder, Trey. <laughs> I got a little hollow stage up. It's a little bit louder than the one over there. And uh, But anyway, so you sacrificed. You said, I'm going to go to church. But you have to want to worship. Did you hear me? You have to want to worship. You can come here and not want to worship and you will just sit there. They wanted it. They wanted the preacher. Don't come without the book. Bring the book. That's right. 
uh, Brother uh, Norman asked me, are we having children's church? And, uh, well, there was, a, I think, a schedule glitch or something. I said, well, since we're kind of out of the kilter anyway, I said, we'll just hold off on that, maybe get back in the regular schedule next uh, next Sunday. But, you know, it's interesting that in verse 3, it says that they, all the men and women were there and those that could understand. Which tells me that, you know, if somebody can't understand the Word of God, that either A, they weren't there, but basically B, there's nothing wrong with taking children. You know, there's nothing wrong with keeping them in church because they they'll eventually hear and understand. But a lot of times people say, well, children's church wasn't the way I was raised, and so I don't want it. But did you know if that our children's church volunteers do their job and our Sunday school teachers do their job, guess what they're doing? They're making the Word of God where they can understand it. That's, and that's what it's saying there, that men and women that could understand. So they're there in the... Big church, they're there in the adult class. Nothing wrong with having babies and kids everywhere in church. That means the church is alive. We, I want babies crying in church. I want them screaming out. You may say, I can't hear Brother Michael. I'll get louder. <laughs> but if a church has babies in it, and I know that kids can do this and babies can do that, but praise the Lord for scratches on the floor. Praise the Lord for marks everywhere. Praise the Lord there's smudges on the glass. Praise the Lord that there's kids in our church. Amen? Amen. That's what I want. Because we're alive, bring them to church. Because you need to be setting the example for them as well as us here. We need to set the example. We couldn't have planned that any better, could we? That was great timing. So, what are we seeking? Let's fly through some seeking stuff here. Why you're coming to church. What you're doing in Psalms. We'll start off Psalms 27. Got all these uh, verses for you. These are, man, these are awesome. Psalms 27 and verse 8. The Word of God says here, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me. Verse 8 says, When thou sayest, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Seek my face. I preached a sermon one time. I think I've preached it since I've been here. We need to seek God's face and not His hand. The next passage that I want you to turn to, that'll lay right there perfectly. All right. The next passage I want you to turn to, just a little ways over, Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 6. The Word of God says, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Matthew chapter 6. Many of you know this one by heart. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... And all of these things shall be added unto you. And then this kind of goes along with the Easter message last week in the book of Luke. 
chapter 24. I like this. This kind of looks at it from a different angle. Luke chapter 24, verse 5. And they were afraid and bowed their... Because this angel, he's bright shining angel at the tomb. Folks, if I see anybody bright shining and glowing over here in Promised Land Cemetery, I'm going to be afraid. <laughs> because look, look. And they were where? At a sepulcher, at a tomb. And it says they were afraid. Yeah, I'm going to be afraid. And uh, bowed down their faces to the earth and said... Why seek ye the living among the dead? Did you know some some people, if they're uh, a lot of people today are going through life and they're seeking the wrong kind of Savior. Or they're seeking somebody that's dead. And he said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen like he said he was going to do. That's good news. And so I ask you this morning, what are you seeking some people come to church, they're not seeking Jesus. We need to be seeking Jesus. He's what it's all about. The worship of the people, back in our text, in uh, verse 4, the worship of the people, I call uh, verse 4, there's nothing wrong with a designated place for worship. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made with that purpose. And I'm not going to read all those names right there because there were 13 other people on the stage or the pulpit of wood. It was referring to the whole big thing that he was on. And so, folks, there's nothing, you know, some people say that, um, uh, and you can go too far with that because, folks, you can worship the Lord with a little pulpit. You can have preaching with a big pulpit. You can have preaching with under a tree. Or you can have preaching in a 10,000 seat auditorium. Don't worship the furniture. The, nothing wrong with setting the furniture aside. We ought to treat our communion table with respect. We shouldn't use it as a couch. You know what I mean. You should treat the pulpit with respect. That's where the Word of God is read from. But it's a, still, it's a piece of wood. Don't worship the... It's, don't make an idol out of it. Okay? Don't worship the people. You know, that's the whole point. The, he said, we're going to set aside a day. The Lord has set aside a day. In the Old Testament, it was Saturday. We don't worship on a Saturday anymore. Why? That was the day God rested. That's why they worship. Why do we worship on a Sunday? That's the day that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Y'all know that. We celebrate His resurrection every Sunday. Every first day of the week. Paul told the church at Corinth when you come together on the first day of the week. Alright, there's nothing wrong with reverencing God's Word. Now, the last year and a half, I remember when I did it. When I started rising for the reading of God's Word. Now, I've done it before. But it's... Something you can choose to do or to not do. January of 2012, I started asking you to stand. Maybe to put a little bit more emphasis on it's the Word of God. We should respect it. Now notice here in this verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. And folks, when he did that, he didn't go. He went. 
So, folks, the Word of God can come in many shapes and forms. It can come in a big scroll. It can come in a big old sheet of animal skin. It can come on what Moses come down the mountain with. He didn't come down with a leather-bound version, did he? <laughs> he came down with the Word of God still. But guess what? Did Ezra ask the people to stand up? No, he didn't, did he? Guess what they just did automatically? You say, well, they wanted to see Him better. No, they stood up because it was the Word of God. And He was opening, and they knew that He was about to read the Word of God. It says, and when He opened it, notice what it says in verse 5, all the people stood up. In verse 6, this worship of the people, Ezra, bless the Lord, this is the verse that we read. And when I say this, you know, I say there's nothing wrong with saying amen. Amen. Everybody, y'all are tired. <laughs> Can y'all nothing wrong with saying amen. amen? Amen. There you go. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with lifting up holy hands and worship. Was a whoa. Wait a second, preacher. We we not them kind of Baptist. <laughs> it's in the Bible, Psalms, Nehemiah, and in the New Testament too. And uh, But you have to do it with the right heart. But a lot of times we don't be labeled for the wrong reason. So we just don't do it. We just don't do it. But, it's not, but folks, all it is is you're saying, He's my God. He's my Savior. I heard one preacher say it like this. All of y'all who are teachers in a classroom, we say, uh, does anybody in here know what 2 plus 2 is? That students go, that's right. You did. She knew. You know what 2 plus 2 is, don't you? That's right. She knows the answer. She raised her hand. I know the answer, and His name is Jesus. I know Him. And that's what, and it says there, and folks, all this was about, and, and you say, well, you know, because people have abused raising their hands or their posture for worship people, yes, that people have abused that before. And you say, well, I don't want... And, but just because somebody abuses it doesn't mean we shouldn't use it. And so, but also, all it was was an attitude because this is it. You can't worship without the wrong or without the right attitude. Can you? Just same illustration. You squeeze an orange, whatever's inside is going to come out. When you squeeze us, whatever's inside is going to come out. That's that old illustration. It's an easy illustration. <laughs> yes, I've seen people. And people, did you, y'all know that people aren't stupid. I've seen people where you say, well, they're just putting on a show. Then people, the other people, when you say that, if you say it out loud, then the people look at you and say, you shouldn't be judging. <laughs> and that's true. So guess what? The only person we can take care of is our own heart. That's our own heart. So you say, well, somebody's singing a song, Miss Barbara hits that note, and she's singing that special praise, Jesus. Their heart's not right. You can't know that. There's no way in the world. There's no way in the world you can know that. What if God let them do it? 
they got biblical basis. But all it is, the whole point of even bringing all this up is we have this awesome example of worship in Nehemiah chapter 8. It was the people that wanted worship. It was the people that had a great attitude of worship. It was the people that worshiped. And they didn't even have, have a, you know, we got all these tools, we got electricity, we got screens, we got Bibles, we got leather bound covers. And guess what? There, I guarantee you, there wasn't a copy in anybody's hand. That's how rare it was. They were excited to hear it. And when, and that's the reason they wanted everybody to hear it. So guess what they made? They made a pulpit of wood. So who could stand on it? Who was the right man for the job? Who was the right man for the, Ezra was the right man for the job? Who'd they put up there to read it? And folks, he, when he preached, basically he read and preached and shared his heart. He, matter of fact, he probably did more reading than he did preaching. And everybody said, praise the Lord. They bowed their head. They lifted their hands and they said, amen. They did. That's what it says right there, verse 6. The weeping of the people. Now, something else happened that day. And uh, as we read, the desire of these preachers, and it lists all these priests that were up there helping out, uh, and the Levites, it says, and right there in the middle of verse 7, caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. Wait a second. They stood the whole time while he was reading, and, well, they probably didn't have any chairs. So y'all have it good. <laughs> Isn't it great? I mean, I love padded pews. Man, I sat, I don't know where we were at the other day. We sat in some, oh, it was at Mike's church. It had, it was orthopedic specials. They had lumbar posturepedic pews. That was something, I shouldn't even told y'all that. Now y'all want some. And, uh, but, uh, can't make y'all too comfortable in church. I know what'll happen if I get y'all too comfortable. Yeah, I don't care how good I preach. It doesn't, or how loud I preach. <laughs> And get y'all lazy boy recliner. Uh, do they make any pews, Brother Michael, lazy boy recliners? <laughs> well, they didn't have any of it. Because where are they, what are they doing? It says it right there. They, while he's reading, while he's doing all this, everybody stood in their place. So they read together. Sounds like they're all participating. They read in the book of the law distinctly. These are all the people helping out in the list in verse 7. And they gave sense and caused them to understand. Did you know that's my desire for you? If I do my job well, can I say it in a way that this makes sense? And many of y'all are skilled teachers and preachers, and you read and you say, well, hmm, I wonder what so-and-so, and you call Miss Francis, or you call somebody else, or you call me, or you call Brother Trey. That's good. Talk about the Word of God. That's a great subject. So, and when they did all this, understanding of the Word of God, folks, when you understand the Word of God, two things happen, and we just experienced it last week, two things happen. The Word of God brings a revival or conviction. The Word of God brings revival or conviction. So when they're starting to read, folks, it had been a long time. And it says in verse 9, Conviction of sin brought weeping, but I put it's time to go to work. Uh, he said that, 
Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites taught the people and said unto the people, This day is holy unto the Lord. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Now folks, that's why I say that, that when we worship, we should want worship enough to weep that we come down and, you know, we really don't have a, we've got concrete down here. So in a minute, whenever we have, have a, a, a altar call, if you, if you want to come down, if you want to respond, you say, dear Lord, my prayer is that promised land continues to have revival and that we continue to worship the Lord. It's not about Brother Michael, I know that. It's not about anybody. It's about Jesus. It's about Him. That's where we all should be pointed to Him. You can come down here and you can, like I've said before, you say, well, I've got, uh, like my memo, I've got, she always says it this way, I've got two steel knees, Michael. I said, I know, memo. And I said, you know, and, and so you could sit on the, you could sit in the pew and just pray, but what you're doing whenever you say, I don't care what people think, I want us to continue to have revival, I want our church to desire worship. Worshiping who? Dallas Cowboys, Arkansas Razorbacks. They catch a long pass. I'm going deep. I caught it. Touchdown. Y'all see athletes do that? They're not worshiping. But, were they? They're probably just pointing up there and they don't even know the Lord. (laughs) Then we're judging. (laughs) So if they want to do that, that's fine. That's between them and the Lord. But, they're, they're giving him credit. Sure, that may be true. That may be fine. But shouldn't he get all the credit anyway? In church and everywhere. If you, <laughs> I remember working on, they called it the coal copper tube stretching machine that we used to make copper tubing for air conditioners was called a Bond machine. B A U G H N. Made in Germany. And we had a record that we were trying to beat one night. We had. Uh, spun off something like a hundred thousand feet of copper, and we were trying to beat that record. And I remember me and my my buddy, I was what's called a pointer, and he was the machine operator. I was his assistant. And man, we were working fast. You got to fill it full of hydraulic fluid, and you got to put a pin in, and you got to put it in the die, and then you got to do this. And in your each roll that you move weighs about 500 to 700 pounds. So you got these big conveyor belts, and while we're humping it, we're just working, working, working. Skip lunch break. We're going for the record. And after we get through breaking the record at work, I mean, what are, what are we doing? We're making copper tubing from this big with quarter inch sidewalls, stretching it down to three-eighths inch and twelve-thousandths thick. And we're stretching it and we're working and we busted the record that night. You know what we did? We dropped down on our knees in hydraulic fluid. We gave God thanks. Did, did that really matter to anything? It didn't really matter in eternity, but you know what? The Bible says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Y'all know the verse. That's what it says. Did you know you can do, you can worship, you can, or you can say it this way, you can give Him honor and make your job, your life, is your life about the Lord? Is your life pointing to Him? And so all the people are weeping, they're under conviction. 
But guess what the preacher says? Don't stay in your conviction. It's okay. He said, matter of fact, he says, stop weeping. In the end of verse 10, I love this last passage. Make it about Jesus. Tell people about Jesus. Verse 10 says this, Then He said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. Folks, all of you came to church this morning, and I hope if you've had your Bible open, if you've had your heart open this morning, if you've had your mind open, guess what you received? A portion of the Word. Guess what they got there? A portion. And guess what He told them to go do with it? Take your portion and what? Send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. What are y'all going to do? You say, you come down here and Brother Michael, you preached and my heart is not right. I came here with a bad attitude, a sorry attitude. I really didn't come to worship, but Brother Michael, the Lord's been working on me this whole service this morning. I need to change some things. I need to do some things different. Maybe I just, my mind wasn't focused. Maybe I was distracted when I came to church this morning. But dear Lord, or Brother Michael, the Lord is convicting me right now that I need to refocus. I need to re-look at Him. I need to tell others about Him. It says, stop weeping. In other words, get right with God. Dry your face. And go tell somebody about Jesus. That's what it's saying in verse 9 and 10. Now, I want you to weep. I want you to be broken because if I don't have a broken church, the Bible says the Lord is nigh. That's old English for close. Unto who? Unto them that are of a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Okay? We need to tell others. Verse 10 says, Neither be ye sorry for the what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. What motivates you? What motivates you? As we prepare for a hymn invitation, whatever the Lord may be <clears throat> laying upon your heart, it's between you and Him now. So I, I came to... I came to worship. Well, the Bible says in the verses that we read, we receive a portion. Now give a portion to those that have nothing. That was verse 10. Because what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Tell others about Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. Invite others to church. Do it with a smile. We were saying earlier in the class, we said this. If you tell others about Jesus, share others, invite others, uh, be real. People can spot a mile away. They know if you're real or not. They Oh, by the way, they also know if you care. Do it because you care. And do it because you're real. You live a real life before them. Try. May we continue to worship Him 